Hi guys, welcome back to ResRoots. It is Kelly and I am here with Logan, who is a student here at IBC. Hey guys, how's it going? So thanks for tuning in. This episode, we will be talking about um, some current events and get to know Logan a little bit more. So Logan, tell us about yourself. Yeah, my name is Logan. I am First Nations from the Blood Tribe in Canada, um, Southern Alberta. To be exact, I am in my final year here at Indian Bible College, graduating this upcoming May with my bachelor's. And yeah, God has really laid out some future plans for me, so I'm super excited about that, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later. So you're from Canada. I've known you for... How long have I known you? Like 2015. 15. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Not even, not that long. 16. 17. Was 17 your first year? Yeah, on OE-Dub. So we met on OE-Dub. Okay. <laughs> um, about four, five years now? 17, 18, 19, 20. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Five well, years. Five years. I remember we were on a canvassing team together. Do you remember that? I don't remember uh, that. No. <laughs> who were um, we with? We were, it was me, you... Deidre. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, now I remember. Yeah. No, not saying that I don't. Yeah, I remember that now. That's that, when we went to, like, Maine and all that area. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember we stopped at, um, we were waiting for the bus to come pick us up, and then we were at a beach or something. Yeah. It was so cold, I thought it was going to be warm. Were we playing on the playground? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, <laughs> I remember that, yeah. We are on the swings and everything. That was cool. Um, but yeah, me and Logan met back in 2017 on on Eagles Wings, um, which was my first year. And then I I came to IBC, and then we kind of met again. And but um, Logan, you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. So um, yeah, just a little background about myself. I like I said earlier, I grew up in Canada, um, Lethbridge, Alberta, to be exact. And I grew up in a very um, I would say a very legalistic home. My father was really verbally abusive towards myself, my mother, um, and just, yeah, he was just a really mean man. But what made it really complicated is that my father was part of the worship team. He was actually the worship leader for our local church. So he would, you know, he would often say just very legalistic things, you know, it's like you have to get your, your heart right before before you go into that altar. And it just caused a lot of confusion for me growing up um, because I didn't know what it really was to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I thought it was just, you know, just the steps you have to go through um, just, you know, for your, your outer being to look good. So that was that's why I was really confused about that, about just that relationship, because I didn't really personally know what it meant to have a relationship with with God. And, you know, granted before that, I did, you know, accept Jesus, you know, the, the typical sinner's prayer and everything like that. But um, I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know what it was like to actually have a relationship with him. So fast forward, you know, a couple of years, my father's on the worship team, you know, very legalistic family. Um, well, legalistic father, and then um, some problems started happening between my mother and my father that caused them to, you know, part ways for a little bit and then get back together and then part ways and get back together. But during those times um, when they were back together, my brother was born. Um, so me and my brother are about 15 years apart right now. And I just remember just 
for a time, everything was good with my mom and my dad and my brother and myself, you know, we're all peachy, um, I should say, but you know, that didn't last. Eventually, you know, things got worse again. And my father, um, totally left my mom this time and left her for another lady, um, and I remember it just kind of just devastated the family and just a lot of hurt feelings towards him, a lot of abandonment issues and a result of all of those, you know, abandonment issues and just the abuse and trauma that he, you know, caused us. It was just a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety um, until, yeah, and one day I just kind of got tired of it and it was just like, you know, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to live with that fear of the unknown, the depression. Uh, you know, being depressed and everything like that. So I kind of, I don't know, I rededicated my life back to God. And I don't like to say that word rededicate because, I don't know, I find it really cliche. But, you know, that's the the most simplest term I can put it is that I gave myself back to God and gave myself back to his, to following him and living by his words and everything like that. And it was just, it was amazing. I'm not going to say everything got good after that but you know things got tolerable I could you know I knew who I was I knew who my identity was in and the things that I would face I knew that I wasn't facing them alone um and then yeah fast forward a couple more years and coming to IBC just really they really helped me understand my past trauma and my past hurts and really helped me to face those head on um and not to run for them but to face them in such a way that I could heal from them and talk about them today. Um, I'm not going to go into like real deep about my personal story, but you know, that's just kind of the surface of um, some of the abuse that that happened, but um, with my father and everything, but you know, the tremendous work of the cross and what Jesus did for my life and for everybody else too. So, so yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Do appreciate it. And you and your, your testimony and um, the work that the Lord has done in your life. And I've definitely seen it. Um, well, without further ado, I just kind of want to jump right into the current events. This is mainly kind of, well, no, this reaches kind of all over the current events, mainly in Indian country, um, those kind of events. So the first one I actually do have is there is a new law in California, which excuses students um, from school for ceremonies, cultural ceremonies that may be taking place. Um, it's actually called the Assembly Bill 516. Um, that I um, recently passed. So that's actually really cool. Cause I remember, well, when I was growing up, um, we have our kinalta, which is like the girls coming of age ceremony. And I did have that. And I do, I think I, w- I think I actually had mine in the summer. So I didn't have to go through like the missing school or anything, but I found that very interesting. I think that's really cool too. How do you pronounce it? Kikala, kilala, kalalada. Can it, I'm not Navajo, y'all, so I can't can't pronounce these Navajo words. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it is cool that the state of California and other um, states have passed that because the way I think about it, oftentimes with when it comes to like you know other people groups who who come here, um, it's like they get treated a little bit better than, than the first people group that, that's been here. You know, they get excused for all of their, their cultural ceremonies and all of their the different religious um, things that they do. And it's like, you know, the, the, 
the Native Americans and everything, like the first people group here, often don't get, you know, that same recognition. So I really think that it, it's cool that states are finally starting to recognize their their um their first peoples that, that have been here. So I think this new bill is, is really good. Um, you know, as as a people as a as a whole, not just for Native Americans, but it, it shows just how far our country is coming in recognizing um multi-ethnic people groups mm. from all different backgrounds yeah only took us like 500 <clears throat> years <laughs> yeah but it's, it's coming you know <laughs> We're in, yeah um, everybody you know with all these things that are happening right now i think it's it's a right step forward mm-hmm. in in all of that um i don't think it was the best way to handle everything but i think it's it's going in a great way great forward mm-hmm. i don't i'm really curious i tried looking it up like if arizona had actually like had something similar to that. I think they do. Um, does Canada? Do you guys have anything similar to that or around that? You know, I'm not too sure at the moment. Mm-hmm. I know for my tribe, their their ceremonies um, are typically in the summer. I believe I could be mistaking, but I know the the big one is usually in the middle of summer. So school's not really affected in that area. Mm. But I do think that there is laws in effect to excuse students for, you know, for religious beliefs and everything like that. And, Mm. um, you know, First Nation ceremonies are under that category of, you know, religious beliefs and everything like that. So Mm. they cannot deny the fact that students have different religions. They just can deny the fact they can deny religion in school. So, you know, you can't talk about it or anything like that. It's really taboo to talk about it in school. While you were talking, I was just thinking, like, does this apply to, like, um, the big old powwow ceremony in Albuquerque? Oh, like um, Gathering of Nations? The Gathering yeah. of Nations. You just take off, like, a couple. Of, I don't even know when that is. I mean, I find that kind of humorous. Like, oh, I'm going to the Gathering of Nations. Can I be excused? I mean, I get, like, some people probably dance in it, too. I think Gathering of Nations is a celebration of just being indigenous, if that yeah. makes sense. So, and it's cool. I've never been, but I've had a couple of family members who, who have gone and it's just, and a couple of friends and this is cool to hear their stories about just all the people, all the natives that come from all over, you know, Turtle Mountain and just come and mm-hmm. participate in all of this. So, which is really cool. Yeah. Something similar to that a recent bill was passed in Arizona that schools, they can't prohibit the wear of traditional regalia to school ceremonies like graduations and stuff. Um, I actually heard a story as I was reading about this, um, an article about a girl in, from where I'm from, uh, Gallup. Um, I can't remember which school it was, but she had, her grandfather had given her an eagle feather, and you know, that's mm-hmm. very sacred to us. So he had given it to her to put on her hat to wear, and they, the school officials, when she was getting ready to go into the graduation ceremony, they're like, you can't, you can't wear that, um, you need to take it off, because it's not like... It's not uniform. Yeah. And she, I remember, um, what did she say? She was like, I didn't have the heart to tell my grandfather to, like, I couldn't wear it. But she, she, she did hold it when she walked up on stage. I know, I don't think New Mexico has a law attain, or like a bill or anything attaining to that as well. Um, for me, for my graduation, I wore, I wore a rug dress mm-hmm. um, and moccasins. But I didn't wear anything outside of that yeah. black gown. Mm-hmm. Um, I did decorate my hat, but it wasn't like anything um, really indigenous or anything. Yeah. But other states have passed similar laws to that that allow like the schools can't 
prohibit the people from wearing them. Traditional regalia, um, so like California, Montana, Utah, Utah have passed similar similar laws like that. I yeah, like I think again, I think that's great that these states are are passing laws because, um, in a sense, back in the day, you know, when like when that girl was denied her right to wear that, you know, her eagle feather, um, you know, it was kind of the school saying that we don't recognize your identity and you have to fall into our identity, which is, you know, typically with, not you know, non-Native people or non-people of ethnic background is um, their identity is in academia and their identity is in their titles and the way their school looks are, you know, I accomplished this, I accomplished this, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm become a doctor and everything like that. But don't take away the rights from other people and their identity because, you know, first and foremost, our identity is in Christ. You know, we're, mm-hmm. Christ is our identity before we're, we're, you know, Native Americans, before we're doctors, before we're any, any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But we still true, we still hold on to the value that, yeah, I am. Native American, or yeah, I am Muslim, or yeah, I am, you know, African American, all these other things. And it's, I don't think it's fair back in the day that schools did that, took away people's identity in that sense. If they were, um, you know, if they really truly cared about their students, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been a problem. So again, I do think it, it's really great that um, our, you know, this country, America, Canada, um, even Mexico are, are stepping forward into that embracing the people of multi-ethnic backgrounds, which is really, really cool. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the next one is of Deb Holland, who is Laguna Pueblo. Um, she wraps up her first year as Madam Secretary. She's, this is really cool. I really like Deb Holland because she's elected as the first Indigenous woman to be elected in Congress. So today, which, it, oh no, not today, my bad. A couple of days ago, March 15th actually marks the year She's been in mm. office. So that's really cool. She's Madam Secretary of the Interior. Um, she's on the president's cabinet. So she oversees nation-to-nation relationships with a bunch of federally recognized tribes, um, managing and protecting um, just the land of the people. Yeah. And I think that's really cool because, like, I think when I first heard about it, I don't know, I was very, I was pretty shocked. Um because representation, man. Like, yeah, I know. It, it's super cool because if you think about it, if you look back at the history, you know, the very first secretary of the interior, I don't remember the name, but, you know, he signed the order of the Removal Act, you know, the mm. the Indian Removal Act. And, you know, fast forward at, what, 150 years so comes full circle to, an, you know, first a Native American, but, you know. A Native American woman. A Native American woman to oh come and to take over that position and really, you know, be for, for the people, which is really cool. And like I said, it, it speaks volumes of how this country is moving forward again to recognize its um, diversity. So, which, mm. and, you know, huge props to her. Mm-hmm. She looks pretty sick in all of her pictures. She does. Yeah, She's she so looks, cool. looks all stoic. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I'm really pr- proud of her that she's in there. Um, it's a huge accomplishment for for natives, but not only just for Native American women, because it mm-hmm. gives them a hope of, you know, yeah, they can accomplish this stuff too. So like we could be like yeah. so much more. Yeah, than just in reservations and mm-hmm. everything like that. You know, it, it proves that we have a voice. Yeah, just some of the things um, that she was actually able to accomplish in her 
her year of um, holding that position. And she um, established the Missing and Murdered Unit to address the increasing epidemic of missing, missing murdered Indigenous women mm-hmm. in Two-Spirit. Um, I mean, that's just, I mean, that in itself is like, I don't know, that just really gives me a lot of hope. And if a lot of you guys don't know um, of the Missing Murdered Indigenous um, Woman MMIW movement, it's to bring more awareness to the, yeah, missing and murdered um, Indigenous women who don't get the voices that they deserve. They deserve. Because, um, yeah, because like when you look at it, like when you look at the stats and everything, that when a, when a Native lady goes missing, you know, the cops kind of just don't try their hardest to, to find those, those ladies. And oftentimes it just doesn't. The mis- or the cases become unsolved, and there's it's like, so many cold yeah. It's cases. like they just forget about it as compared to other other people groups who you know when they go missing, it's just like right away. It's like you know this whole full blown investigation, everything like that. So yeah, yeah, I think it's it's that, but I think it's also like the lack of resources on reservations, and then you have the the jurisdictions mm. that oh my gosh, there's so much red tape everywhere, and yeah. it gets like so messy, and you're like. Well, I thought I was calling the tribal police, but they're like, no, you need to call the city police, but you're not in the jurisdiction. So it's like, it gets super crazy. And then it just gets lost. It gets lost. We get yeah. lost. It's this never ending cycle, but you know, which mm-hmm. is good. Like Deb Holland and the, this new, the missing murdered indigenous women movement and, you know, I don't know more and all of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Really good, really good things that are coming out of the, coming out of those movements. Mm-hmm. And definitely. I actually have a quote from a, um, Indian paper. Um, the esta- establishment of the MMU, Missing Murdered Unit, was monumental for indigenous communities where murder is the third leading cause of death for Native women living on their homelands and with 1.5 million Native women experience violence in their lifetime. I think with her, she's finally giving us a voice, um, not just women, in, not just women, but indigenous people in general and just being heard. Yeah, honestly. Definitely. It's just wanting to be heard. Um, she also implemented the review of federal boarding schools after th- that big news hit of unmarked graves that were yeah, found. Yeah, Every Child Matters movement mm-hmm. up in Canada. Yeah, which is which is great. You know, Canada has its dark secrets of, you know, what happened in residential schools. But, you know, I hate to say it too, but, you know, America's right alongside there too. They just, mm-hmm. both countries just did a great job of covering up what they did. Canada got busted. So <laughs> got busted first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but she actually, yeah, she Im- implemented the review of trying to find more unmarked graves where they are, mm-hmm. um, especially in the, in the States. Um, there were a lot of residential schools. Um, so there's actually um, a report that's due next month. I'll see if I can keep on top of that and bring you guys what, what is being found, um, especially in the States. And I think just with that, that's, it's just the same thing. You know, you're being heard, you're being seen. Where I mean, it's sad that it had to not come, I don't want to say come out like that, but that there's awareness being brought to it like that. Yeah. But it's the truth. And like... Yeah, no, it's the truth. And I think even with like the heartbreak of you know, these children being taken away at a young age and going to residential schools and boarding schools and just different other different things. It's like, it's just a true testament of how good our God is. And I know that may sound like, like, what does he mean by that? Mm. But he is, you know, nothing is in darkness towards him. You know, everything Mm. comes to the light eventually in any people group. 
And I think it's good that our creator is revealing these things, you know, these heartbreaking things, because it gives us the opportunity, whether you believe in in Jesus or not, but it gives us the opportunity to heal Mm -hmm. as a whole nation and to recognize Mm -hmm. and for other people to recognize the atrocities that were committed against um, indigenous peoples through North America. Yeah, and it's just like giving hope again that... Not us getting justice, but the Lord yeah, eventually he'll, definitely. he'll get justice. And it's, that. yeah, and he, it's bringing healing again mm-hmm. towards Native people, whether they're, you know, believing creator or ceremony, like into their ceremonies, it's still giving us the foothold to heal from, from that and to bring a closure in that kind of, in that area, if that makes sense. Not close it indefinitely, but bring some closure to it. Mm. Yeah, so Deb Holland, man, she's really doing a good a good thing out there, um, which I think I'm really encouraged by, and I'm excited to see what what more um, she's she's gonna do. So I have to bring this up, which is gas prices, and I'm pretty sure everyone has felt that. I just filled up my truck, and it hurt. It really did hurt. <laughs> Same, my car. Like I have a small car, and back in the day, it's cost me like $23 from empty to full Mm. to fill it up. It cost me like almost $70 now from empty to full. I'm like, (laughs) dang. I'm about to bust out my my magic carpet and my my broom and go to work. Yeah, so with the inflation of gas prices, and I'm pretty sure other stuff have gone up, um, I'm very curious, um, like, how, how do you think, like, gas prices and just the overall general inflation of stuff has um, affected indigenous communities? I think, well, first, you know, like it it was before, it was more expensive to bring like goods into indigenous communities to different reservations Hmm. because um, a lot of these communities are really out in like the boonies or, you know, way out there. And I think now it's just with the inflation that it's, causing indigenous people to pay more for for goods like gas and groceries and mm-hmm. their hot cheetos <laughs> and all of that with within a community that's already below the poverty line so mm-hmm. i don't think it's it's really good um a good aspect for indigenous communities because again they're they're paying more when they don't make as much as other people you know it's like the res is behind in the inflammation and the minimum wages and all that stuff that are like other people that get, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you're living way out on the res, like I'm bringing it down to like the Navajo nation, like if you're living out on the res, the closest Walmart is what, two hours away. Yeah. And then you obviously, you probably have a pickup truck when you're driving around. So filling that up is not it's going to be pricey yeah. and you're going out to get hay, you're going, you're making your monthly trips and that's going to put a really big dent in your wallet. And you have Hope to do it, your laundry too when you come in. <laughs> Hope you got your hardship check. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do. I do agree. I think it really does impact a lot of us and I don't know, wait and see. But speaking of the gas prices and inflation, most of that is due to what is going on in Ukraine and the uh, Ukraine and Russia conflict right now, which is really heartbreaking, honestly. You see a lot of it now. and um, But something that I found encouraging was as that continues, we see many indigenous people standing in solidarity 
with Ukraine, um, which is actually the wearing of, well, we call it Navajos, we call it the Masani scarves, which okay. is like the scarves that are really colorful. They're really oh, okay. pretty. Yeah. Um, I want one. I want a scarf like that. <laughs> yeah. I know my grandma used to wear them all the time. Um, but they're also called Kokum scarves, which is, Kokum is grandma, right? Kokum. Yeah, that, that's Kuk- I think that's Kree. grandma in Cree. And in Blackfoot, it's Na'aiwa. Na'aiwa. I might be wrong, but I think that's what it is. Mm. Do yeah. you guys have like those scarves? Um, you know, I remember, I don't think we have them too prevalent today, but I remember my great, great grandma, um, Lucy, I remember she used to wear these, those scarves. They weren't as colorful as the, um, the Navajos have them, but you know, they, she, she used to wear them. So I think we do, but I don't think we wear them in such a way as the Navajos do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Ours weren't that colorful and everything mm-hmm. yeah, but I, I do remember like my great great my great great grandma used to wear them a lot so Dang. yeah they're actually um called uh, babushka scarves which babushka in i think is that a it's a grandma but it's a, also a, a is that a navajo word no <laughs> i think it's uh it's actually a ukrainian word or i believe it's ukrainian i am sorry if i get that wrong but it does originate um that word originates from over there and it's similar because it's actually really interesting i had to look more into it early early in the years um we were trading items from white immigrants Mm -hmm. but that's where those scarves came from yeah so um we were able to build relationships and friendships with them so i think where the wearing of these uh masani nali kokum grandma scarves um what was in blackfoot Na'aiwa. Na'aiwa scarves. Yeah. Um, I think it's just this way to show support because a lot of natives know what it's like to be oppressed. We know the hurt of having our children, our homes ripped away from us um, to be in war. And it's it's a very it's a very sobering thought because we understand. Um, may not be in the exact same way, but we do we do grasp grasp some of that. And I think I really like it because it's it's a way to to say, hey, you know, you're not alone. We understand. I really like those scarves. Um, they're actually really pretty. I personally don't own one. Um, I it is on my list to get one. Yeah, they're very beautiful. I really like them. Well, I want one too, so because they're really nice. I want one. Sorry, I'm like looking up how to say grandma in Blackfoot now. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, just earlier, what what Kelly was saying about Ukraine too. I do think it's really cool that Native peoples um, are standing standing with the people of Ukraine. And even Russia too. I know that's that's like, oh, you know, mm. Russia is bad, but it's it's really just the president that's bad in Russia right now. I think you know his people are not for this war, mm-hmm. um, and the people of Ukraine. So I think it's cool that Native people are standing with with them because again, we we know what it's like to be oppressed and everything like that, and they're definitely being oppressed right now. So continue to pray for them, continue to stand with them, and um, continue to ask for our God's guidance in that area because ultimately he knows the outcome of what's going to happen. So we just got to put our trust in, in him and in his wisdom as well, So mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah, lots of stuff going on in the world, going on in indigenous communities right now. I think I honestly really think it's important to know what's going on in your community, to know what's going on in the world. Um, I know news can be depressing to some people. Some people find it really depressing, which is <laughs> why they don't listen to it. But I actually really like the news. I like listening to NPR and stuff. Oh, what's, what's N- Native? 
What's NPR? You don't know what NPR is? It's no. the I think it's National Public Radio. Oh, I, really? I might have that wrong, yeah. But um, it's... I listen to Tribal Trails. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> what is that? You know, Tribal Trails, go, go, go check it out. It's a Christian, kind of a Christian news outlet. So, really cool. Hmm. Out of Canada. Oh, Travel Trails? Tribal Trails. Tribal really. tra- Trails. Oh, I'll look that up next time. Yeah, so good stuff. Well, we're going to bring it back to home, back to Logan. Um, so you said you had some plans after IBC. What do those plans yeah, look like? I do. So last summer, um, I did an internship with this nonprofit um, organization in the New Brunswick Highland Park area of New Jersey. And that's basically like right across the river from New York City. So kind of in that area. And it's a church plant organization that really has a heart towards multi-ethnic, multi-diverse communities and really being holistic, being a holistic footprint in the community and um, just really care about the issues of their of their people. You know, a, a number of people who attend a church are from color. So it's just really cool just to stand with them. And just to intern with them, I made a lot of good friendships over my my course of the summer with them. And a lot of challenges, again, because, you know, I was stepping out of that native ministry and going into a kind of a multi-ethnic ministry, which I really do have a heart for and feel like I do have a calling for that. Um, so, yeah, so I did that intern with them last year and was praying about it. And just about a month and a half ago, they they reached out and said that they were going to go on a retreat and everything. And then a couple of days later, they asked me to join their staff as their youth director. So I'll be mm. joining them after I graduate for a two-year term. Nice. Um, which is really cool. Again, you know, working with these these children or these young adults, I would say, mm. um, is going to be really cool again because a majority of them are not Native. I don't think any of them would be Native, but... I think it will be good experience just to learn the different backgrounds and just to hear everybody's stories and where they come from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't matter what your background is. Everybody has struggles. Everybody has struggles with oppression mm-hmm. or some some kind of thing like that. So I'm super excited just to go and to be with them and mm-hmm. to learn everything I can from them, but ultimately to, to trust God and know that I am stepping into, this, again, a new ministry um, for full time. So mm. if you can pray for me, that'll be greatly appreciated. Um, pray for a car because like, I'm going to need a car. <laughs> when I'm, over there. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, you got an Indian car Yeah, no, there. My Indian car right now, I don't think it's going to make that Powell Trail cross country <laughs> over to New Jersey. So um, um, yeah, pray for me. I need a new car. <laughs> <laughs> um, where was this again? Where is this? Yeah, so this is in the New Brunswick Highland Park um, area the the organization is called Ethnos Ethnos Network and the church is Ethnos New Brunswick Church mm. um, which is really cool you know all the leadership is multi-ethnic so you know they have kind of the director of the whole organization he's you know he's Chinese and then and that's Yukon right yeah then his name is Yukon and then there's this other gentleman, he is um, Korean, and he is part of children's ministry. And then the the music director is African-American, and then myself, um, First Nations. And then they're, they're bringing on um, 
a lady from Mexico, I do believe. Don't quote me on that, but I, th- I do believe they're bringing on a lady from Mexico. So just really cool diversity in that mm-hmm. in that area, um, which I feel feel totally honored to be a part of um, just to, again, just to learn from them, gather their knowledge, but also to share my knowledge. And, you know, because we, we are a team. I hope that we hope to be a team. And I really like the fact that Ethnos does recognize that there is no one person that is in leadership, that Jesus is the head and that he is in leadership. And that, which is really one of the reasons that brought me, drew me to them is that the recognition that there's not one person that's in leadership, but everybody is part of a team, which mm-hmm. is really cool as Jesus is the head. Man, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, look up Ethnos, um, check them out, see how they're doing. You'll see Logan up there. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> New car. New car. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's really cool because you're really implementing what IBC's vision is, is not not being the mission field, but being a mission force. You're going out there and you're doing that. You're you're that, yeah. you're spreading the word of, and really you're it's representation again. It, it goes back to representation. Yeah, like, no, I'm super excited. I'm super excited to go and represent IBC. Hmm. Um and just, you know, like what Kelly said, you know, Training indigenous leaders for their community mm-hmm. and and for the world. So yeah, healthy, healthy, indigenous yes, leaders. healthy indigenous Keyword. leaders. Yeah, healthy. If you want to be healthy, come to IBC. I'm, <laughs> I'm <laughs> wow. just joking. <laughs> like yeah, if you guys are more curious about the um, just this organization, yeah, definitely check them out on Google Ethnos and and they'll pop up. I'm real bad representative right now. Let me know the organization's website, but yeah, all their information's right there. Um, you know, can you can keep up to date with their current events and everything like that too. So that, but definitely be in prayer for me. I am looking to start in September um, after I take the summer off just to rest and everything like that. So mm. thank you. Yeah, well, thank you, Logan, for coming onto the show and talking and discussing some current events going on. Um, I just want to thank you guys for listening. That is all we have for today, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, bye, guys.